Are you looking for a space where you will learn to improve your mental strength, emotional health, and heal your insecurities from the inside out? Take the first step to living a more meaningful life with the Better Me with Body by Brie podcast. I'm your host, Brie. I'm a certified personal trainer, entrepreneur, and mother of three. I've helped empower thousands of women to take action through fitness, nutrition, meditation, personal development, and aligning thoughts with action. This podcast is for those who are ready to feel inspired and motivated to live a more purposeful life. Let's grow together. I've had a hard time falling asleep lately, and I tried every trick in the book. Meditation. The 478 method. (sighs) Even the military method. Don't think, don't think, don't think. But it turns out all I needed was a big hug from YNM's cotton-weighted blanket. It calms my tired body and mind, bringing a restful sleep that makes tomorrow better. See why it's a bestseller in weighted blankets on Amazon. Shop now. YNM, the experts in sleep. Parenting a child who has anxiety can be exhausting, draining, and sometimes you can even feel helpless. I actually have a child who struggles with anxiety, so I'm particularly excited about our guest, Jamie Gordon, who is going to walk us through how to parent an anxious child, the signs of anxiety in a child, the things most of us do that actually make anxiety worse, and moms trigger and shame and ways to release those emotions and so much more. Jamie is a wealth of knowledge, and I cannot wait for you to learn from her. Jamie Gordon is a professionally trained transformational life coach, creator of Joy Bootcamp course, and the Parenting an Anxious Child course. She spent a decade stuck in anxiety, and she learned what worked and what didn't, and now coaches others how to get unstuck so they can create the life they want. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Jamie. I'm so excited you're here because I actually have an anxious child, so I feel like You can not only help our listeners, but you can really help me with Jameson as well. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me again. Um, I love chatting with you. And I think that you are not in an unusual boat. I think you're in the now mainstream boat. I also have um, a child who deals with anxiety. And um, yeah, it's normal. It it is, but it's so hard. It is so difficult. So I'm really happy that you are such a wealth of knowledge that you can help us today and just give us some golden nuggets on how to help our children and how to not let it, you know, get to us as well. So before we start, I would love to know what got you interested in helping parents with children who have anxiety. Yeah, I'd love to say that it was just like this burning desire to learn about and think about and explore children with anxiety. And really, it was because I had a child who struggled with anxiety from a very young age. He's 21 now. It's still part of his journey. And so really, it came from me just mucking things up and trying things and really just looking under every rock I could think of, of how to help them. And I learned a lot of things that didn't work. And I learned some things that did work. And really it's like, I, there was like this thought of if I could go back in time and tell my, myself when my child was young, if I could tell myself these things that I've learned that I use with my older, with my younger kids, uh, man, I wish I could. And so that kind of birthed the idea to create a course for other moms who are me 10, 15 years ago to give right. them a lifeline. I love that. I love that you have a personal experience because then 
you know, you have such a, a window to, <laughs> to how it really is. So I feel like that's when it's the most powerful is when you do have a personal experience. So I love that. Um, we actually were talking before the call. I was saying, man, I feel like the numbers of children with anxiety are increasing from where they used to be. Like I never heard of any of my friends having anxiety when I was younger. And now all of a sudden, all of these children are so anxious. Do you, why do you think that is? Oh man, I think that there's so many things that contribute to anxiety. Uh, And you're right. Like it's kind of like, you know, peanut allergies. When I was a kid, there was like one kid in the school, right? And now there's like so many. And I think the same thing with anxiety. And I think, you know, I hate to say like the pandemic plays such a huge role, but the pandemic played a huge role and not so much in the sense of like, uh, like because of the illness, but because of the amount of fear circulating and the amount of like, we need to be prepared, just the, uh, the ways that we were kind of limited. And there was just a fear circulating whirlwinding mm-hmm. around children who normally have this experience where the, the world doesn't really get scary until they get a little bit older. And here we are ex- the children that from a very, very young age are noticing that the world is scary to adults and that can be really unsettling to kids. So I think that there are so many factors. Uh, and we also know sleep too, right? Sleep. And if children, I, I think that children are probably busier than they've ever been in history um, and probably aren't getting an accurate amount of sleep. And that can also play a, a factor. We know that from that, studies. We can actually point a line from sleep right. to um, anxiety. But by and large, I think it is just being kind of like marinated in a culture of fear, even if you did a fantastic job as a parent and in your ho- own home, um, insulating from the world. The reality is, is they were exposed in 900 different ways to a scary world before they kind of naturally would have discovered it themselves around eight or nine. Um, kids are discovering that much younger. Mm-hmm. I also, my brain goes to just because I'm into, you know, meditation and grounding and all of that. When we were, we just got back from Europe and I noticed just the pace is so much slower there. And like yes. people, people are just more calm there and like they sit and they enjoy their food. And, you know, it's not this hustle culture that we have here mm-hmm. where I feel like we even instill that in our children at such young age where we're like, we put them in gymnastics and soccer and swim and, you know, and then the after school programs and it's like one place to another, to another. And sometimes these things are like five days a week and like they're going from school to, you know, football five days a week. And they're like all this pressure from school, from football. I'm like, that has to add up. Like, what is it in our society that tells us that we have to put our kids in all of these activities all the time. You know, I don't know why, but I'm like, they're not just playing outside anymore in nature and just like being a kid. Yeah. The unstructured time of play is how kids learn and grow and develop. And one of the aspects of play is that it has to be unstructured. So when you Mm -hmm. think about, oh, they play all the time and you put them in like gymnastics or dance and those are all good things. But if they don't actually have a window to play, uh, which is unstructured, like by nature, uh, they're not actually playing. So we're taking away an element that actually helps them learn and regulate and all that good stuff. So there's there's that. And I think also our culture is uh, 
sadly, we put our enoughness outside of ourselves as a culture. Yes. Like we say, yes. we say what I do is who I am and that's my value. Like that makes me enough. And we, mm-hmm. not because we mean to, but because we believe that we also perpetuate that belief onto our children and our need to do things the right way or it's good or it's bad. And it's kind of like perfection. We all have like a little bit of a perfectionist in us. Some of us have a bigger mm-hmm. perfectionist in us than others. And when we, there is a right way, it means there's a wrong way and children trying to manage and think that as an adult, if you feel like you're doing something the wrong way, there's like that critical thing that pops up and safety means it's right. And if it's wrong, then it's dangerous. It just becomes this overwhelming, uh, like pressure cooker when children, mm-hmm. even just the amount of information that they take in, you know, think about when I was a kid, it was like Mr. Rogers and Sesame street like that. And there was like afternoon cartoons, like that was it as far as like input that I was getting that was fast. And, and, you know, like other than that, it was like, go play outside. And yes. We didn't have the screen. We didn't have the, mm-hmm. you know, watching the videos, which kind of inherently we see they're cool. They're good. Look at all they have. And we start, they start to start the equation of enoughness being outside of them instead of like mm-hmm. it never even occurring to them until a much older age. Mm-hmm. Well, and I even noticed I fall, I fell into that category with Olivia because I was a competitive gymnast growing up. And so I did gymnastics five days a week, four hours a day, mm-hmm. thought I was going to be in the Olympics. And Olivia's naturally good at gymnastics. So I kind of put her on that path and she came home and she's like, I'm not enjoying this. Like, <laughs> this is too much. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just like, I don't know why we do that. It's like, this is, you know, this is the path and it, you have to work hard and you have to be good at something and you have to have passion. And she's like, I just want to come home and relax after school. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to go be involved in all these things. And I was really worried for a while. I told Adam, I'm like, wait, she can't get lazy. Like I kept telling him she needs to be involved. And he's like, babe, she's seven. Like let her be a kid. And so I let her quit everything and she still wanted to do swim. And that was, you know, just like 45 minutes a couple of times a week. And that's what she wanted to do. And she's been so much happier. And I have noticed her energy has been so much calmer. And we just like took out all that pressure and all that stress. And I was like, oh, this is actually the best thing we could have done for her. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, that's beautiful. So, okay, let's talk about the signs of anxiety in a child because I actually want to ask you about Jameson's signs because I'm just saying I think he has anxiety, but I'm not sure. So why don't you tell, like, talk about the signs of anxiety and then I can ask you about Jameson and you tell me what you think, okay? Absolutely. Okay, so you have like three main categories. You have behavioral, emotional, and physical. So when you think, so a lot of times with little children, they may not have an awareness of the anxiety that they're feeling, but you might be able to see it in some of the symptoms that come out. So uh, a really, really common physical uh, symptom is a tummy ache or a headache where there's not a reason. It's not like they're allergic to something that you're feeding to them. It's not because mm-hmm. they have, you know, they're dehydrated. It's because, but you just notice that there's kind of like a lot of tummy aches, maybe like Sunday night, they start to feel bad and they've got Monday morning school around the corner. You notice like every Sunday night uh-huh. she gets a tummy ache 
right? That would be a good sign to like, hmm, maybe something. Of course, you look underneath, you look under all of the rocks to be like, is there a food allergy? Is there, does she have a virus, right? You check all those things. And when you come up with nothing, but you notice that it keeps, it's like a normal thing for them, then like you go, oh, I wonder like, if there's actually oh. some anxiety there. Yeah. So you have like maybe some headaches, tummy aches, digestive, meaning constipated or the opposite. Um, having a tr- trouble falling asleep and trouble staying asleep. And I get that those are kind of like hard to go like, oh, that's anxiety because it could also be other things. And as parents, we check the other things to make sure that mm-hmm. we're not missing something. But those can also be just signs of anxiety. And then we've got mm-hmm. the emotional. Like they can't right? shut their brain, like they can't shut their brain off to fall asleep. Yeah. And they yeah. might just pop out of bed uh, all the time. Now you can combine that with say some of like the, the emotional stuff, right? You might notice that they just are an excessive worrier. It's normal to have fear. It's normal to be nervous. It's normal to, uh, um, you know, Oh, I've got a field trip tomorrow. I'm a little bit nervous about it. But when we're talking about anxiety, we, it is, I can't fall asleep or what's going to, what's going to happen. Right. So the, they start to excessively worry. You'll notice things like they think so far into the future. Like what happens if when grandma dies one day or you get a puppy and they're worried that the dog is going to die one day or that um, like they're already like they're living in the future. So you can tell Mm -hmm. them that they've already thought. And by the time they bring it to you, if they bring it to you, they've been thinking about it for a while, right? Think about when you were a kid, you daydreamed all the time. So their daydreams are kind of going into the future into like doomsday. Right. Um, You might have them crying. They might be really irritable. Right. So sometimes kids, it doesn't show up as like, like scared and worried. And you think like, no, but they're really grouchy all the time. That mm-hmm. could be a sign. Think about it as us when we're stressed out and we're anxious about things. Sometimes we're not with actually with our anxiety. We're actually just super irritable. Um, and then the behavioral, they'll say things like what's next. Like they need to know what's coming up. They avoid group activities. They're not they're the kid that doesn't play at recess or until they get really super warmed up to a crowd. Um, they say it's too hard. I can't, I'm scared. Uh, you might find that they even, they're maybe not even say those things, but you might just notice they stare off into space and kind of zone out, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. those are all good things to go. Okay. Maybe there's some anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to know what you're, what you're experiencing with your child that is making you think there might be some anxiety. Yeah. Jameson has a lot of those, like, um, what I noticed was he shuts down a lot and he like when the second day he was born, he would suck his two fingers mm-hmm. and he never stopped. And so I noticed when he's feeling anxious or scared or overwhelmed, he sucks his fingers and he's six. I'm like, dude, you got to stop sucking your fingers. But he, t- he, when he's, he's like, but I just can't do it. Like it's like his way of calming himself down when he feels overwhelmed. Um, and so I was telling my sister and she's like, that's anxiety. Like he's trying to calm himself down, like when he's overwhelmed. Um, and then after school, he has to like go lay on the couch and he puts a pillow over his head and he just has to lay there like in quiet for like an hour. Like he can't, it's like too much for him to be around the family. Um, Mm -hmm. And he also frequently has meltdowns, like very severe. It's like he's very emotional, like everything gets to him. But I notice it's when he's overwhelmed, you know, like he has these big tantrum or meltdowns when he's overwhelmed. 
And, um, he, same thing, he kind of, uh, he gets scared a lot. Like you said, like, he's always like, well, what if this happens or what if that happens? Or like a lot of the things you were saying. Yeah. So for us, I want to say like, there's, when we, we say like, oh, I, my kid might be having some anxiety. I think that every single human has anxiety. It's a human emotion. Right. Right. right, uh, right. So it's, it's whether or not the, it, there, could there be some tools that would help him navigate through his anxiety in a way that isn't uh, like just giving some, some aids, right. Some support there because there's like, I love that he can soothe himself by sucking his fingers. I love that he knows that he needs to recharge his battery batteries and just kind of like calm himself down after a day of stimulus with a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. And then coming into Mm -hmm. a home, the fact that he knows for himself, like I need to have no stimulus, like putting the pillow over his head, like he's soothing Mm -hmm. himself. He's regulating himself. That's an awesome thing to totally applaud. Right. And also you can, you can know that there's a, that he's managing a lot because he needs that space. Mm -hmm. Right. So like nothing's bad, broken or wrong. And it's not like, Oh no, he has anxiety. It's like, okay, he has anxiety. He's human. And how can I give him some tools as a mom to help him navigate it so that this isn't something, because he's obviously giving himself tools, right? Which is awesome. Right. right. Um, which is actually really great news. And also it might help to give him some more tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do need some. Because we're. I noticed too when we're in crowds, he melts down. I think it's too much for him. So like we took him to Disneyland and he was like, he was like having a huge tantrum over the stroller, but I think it was actually anxiety because it was so much going on, you know? Yeah. So I would love tools. I would love tools. Like what are some, let's, let's kind of segue into that. Like what are some of the tools that we can do to help our children with some of this anxiety? Yeah. So I think one of the ways that it gets kind of tricky when you have a child that um, is anxious, they tend to require more of our attention. I don't know if you yes. feel that way. Yes, um, very so needy. You, yeah. So an anxious child is generally pretty needy and needs attention. So I want you to think of like if you had a toddler that um, was trying to get your attention and you were like, you know, cooking dinner and you're just like, and they're, they're bug, you know, they're trying to get your attention, come play with me, come, whatever it is. You're going to continue to cook the dinner. Like I'll be there in a minute. But if that child like slammed their finger into the door and you would immediately stop what you're doing and you would run over and give that child who just injured themselves attention. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once you think that a child that is anxious, when they're having all of the, these like heightened emotions, they become kind of like this like vacuum of our energy. And what we do is we stop what we're doing and we go and deal with like the meltdown and we give them the attention. Right. So which nothing bad, broken or wrong with that. But one of the things that it can happen on not, not like a conscious level, like on a subconscious level, the child can start to use the anxiety as a way to get the attention. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that any child is going to be like, you know, like, uh, this is having to get my attention, but there is a level, there is a, like a connection that happens that's very soothing and it feels good when mom can come over and you know, you're having a meltdown and all of a sudden they have all of you. And what you think like, because they require so much energy that, that when it's all of you and when you don't have the, the, all of you focused on them, there is a, um, a tendency for that to be the main way that we connect with our child. Because mm-hmm. there's only so much time, like you can't possibly just be 100% present with any child, right? 100%. Right. You can't. 
So one of the, the like the helpful tools is to actually put little deposits of connection in times where they aren't anxious, like mm. actually seeing them and noticing them and just pointing out all the cool things about them that build up their self-esteem because every time there's like a little bit of anxiety, I want you to think it's kind of like a little bit of, of like, if there was a gas tank of confidence, it goes down a little bit. And so I want you to think that when you put in those, those little bits of confidence throughout the day, like noticing, like you could even, you see him sitting, laying on the couch with the pillow on his head, just saying like, Hey, Jameson, I see you, you know, taking some time for yourself. And I just think that you are so resourceful and so creative to think of that for yourself, man, you can really trust yourself. That's amazing. Walk away. Mm-hmm. Like those little things where you can notice their strength, even though like, even in a moment of, you know, meltdown, you'd be like, I see you managing your, those big emotions. That's awesome. I see you experiencing your big emotions. That's fantastic. So we're actually going to like speak into like the, like we're putting gas into their tank. Mm-hmm. That it can be ex- like very, very resourceful. And it's okay. one of those things that's not necessarily like, so if, the, if there's a, like a fire of anxiety, this isn't going to put out the fire. This is about making sure there's no kindling laying around. So this is kind of like preventative. Right, not work. making it worse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Then there's like other things like your body. So that's kind of like, so I, in my course, I talk about like three different paths. One of them is, so it's mind, body, spirit. The The spirit is what I call is like putting in those little like deposits and connection in a lot of different ways, but that's basically the idea. And then we've got like the body, right? And especially you being very connected to your body, very connected to like mindfulness and all that sort of things is actually working through some physical relaxation with your child. And there's different ones. Like, so like if they're having a hard time falling asleep at night, being able to like walk through a meditation with them being able to have mm-hmm. them relax all of their body parts. And I, my, I personally love, um, what my, my youngest son is we use, like, he says, like, take me to the beach. And so I take him to the beach. Right. And we picture a very mm-hmm. specific beach that we've vacationed at, um, multiple times. And we talk about, you know, picturing our, our feet in the sand and how we can feel it. And we walk on the warm sand and we hear the seagulls and we hear the waves and we can lick our lips and taste the salt. And just it calms their whole mind and body down and they're able to fall asleep because they're mm-hmm. now soothed. And then there's like other little things that we can do. We can do, you know, our, our deep belly breathing. We can do, which for little kids, like buying a pinwheel and teaching them to blow the pinwheel as a, and you could have a contest who can actually blow it longest. Right. So they can, and those little things that you train when they, and the important part there is train, do those things when they're not stressed out because if you try to just do it when they're stressed out and in anxiety, it will not work. It's like putting a bandaid on a bullet hole, but if they have experience right. uh, where it calms them when they're not stressed out, then they're, they'll feel a sense of trust with the activity and like trust it works. And that goes a long ways of being able to calm them in the moment of stress. And like love in that. my course, there's like a whole menu of things you can do with your yes. kids to, to do with your you know, even like getting up and dancing, like literally like putting on some, like, you know, like high vibe music and bouncing around and like shit. And if they're, if you can get them to do it, right. Even if they're angry, awesome. Like let them be angry. Let's put on some freaking rage against the machine and punch the couch. 
awesome. Let's yeah. get it out because yeah. the physical movement is releasing the energy so that you can calm the amygdala so that it can actually bring in some logic because there's no logic in your kid out of it when they're in the middle of like extreme anxiety. And that's okay. Like your goal isn't actually to fix the anxiety. It's just to give them tools to navigate a very human emotion. Yes. that Those are all so amazing. Yeah. And I also noticed with, oh, you go. Sorry. Uh, no, I was just gonna say, there's also another, another one is uh, what I call the mind path. And that is for a moment when your child is engaged and is willing to have the conversation where you start to ask them some creative questions to get them to think creatively because anxiety, it requires black and white thinking. It is creativity. It's just creativity bent towards one direction. Like it's doom is going to happen. And when you can actually teach them to think creatively with some silly questions and using some humor to bring in some creative uh, and and not gaslighting them, right? Like you let them have their possibility as one of the possibilities, but you get them to think of other creative possibilities. Like what happens if I go to the field trip and they lose me tomorrow, right? Okay, well that could happen. What else could happen? And you can come up with like, you guys can brainstorm different ideas and I like go crazy and funny and then some more realistic ones. And what you find is that as soon as they start to engage creatively, there's a little like switch that happens in their mind and they're holding now more possibilities instead of just the one horrible possibility that's causing all their anxiety. Right. The one that's fueling it all. And when they have other thoughts that feel just as plausible and even more realistic, then they start to think and feel the emotion associated with that thought. I love that. I love that so much. That's so helpful. Good. Um, I have noticed too with, at least with Jameson, like when they can't calm their mind down before bed, I had to stop letting them do any TV like after dinner because it was too much stimulation for them. And so I noticed like, like trying to do more calming activities after dinner where like it's a warm bath or whatever. And then he goes to sleep so much better than if he like watches a show before bed. Yes. So I know that helps us at least. Yes. Temperature <clears throat> is really helpful. And also when you think in terms of setting up your night for success, if normally bedtime is a area where anxiety spikes, um, knowing that if you think about like children associate proximity with safety, like they want to be in bed with you. They want to be next to you, right? Yeah. They want to be in your room and they're, and they're going to be separated for, you know, eight, 10 hours in another room. Having mm-hmm. connection before you separate, having time, like when you think about like, if they're watching a show, like it might be like actually a time of connection if you're sitting next to them and you're watching something that's actually very like soothing, calming, and not a whole lot going on mm-hmm. or taking a bath and just relaxing the nervous system. You're in the warm bath. You guys are talking, you're spending time with each other. You're giving like actual connection versus proximity. Like we can be next to someone and not be connected, but if we can actually Mm -hmm. give the attention and the connection, there's kind of almost like a, um, it soothes the fear, right? Because the disconnection feels unsafe and I'm going to give you a bunch of connections. So when I go to bed and there is going to be that little bit of like unsafety, I'm going to be coming at it, not from a place of a deficit. I'm going to be coming all with my, my cup full. It's kind of like us as adults. Like if we have a lot going on and say that we're like hungry, how well does that go for us? Versus if we have like eaten and we've slept and we still have a lot going on, we're going to be, we can handle so much more. Same with our children. If they have the connection before they go to bed, they're going to be able to manage the, like the separation 
in a different, in a completely different way than if it's like those nights where like you're, and it happens, right? Like it's life. It's not like we can just like have every night be like the perfect Mary Poppins, like put a bow on at night. But when we can, even if it's just 10 minutes of making that routine, 10 minutes of, you know, a lot, like even if it's turning the lights off and sitting in the room and chatting for 10 minutes, like that right there is enough connection to be able for the child to be able to release from a place, not of lack, but just be able to like release and manage what fears come up, which are very normal. Yeah. Yeah. That's so helpful. I never thought of it that way. So what are some of the things most of us do that actually make anxiety worse? Okay. So before I tell you, these things. I just want to warn you that what our ego loves to do is to take this information and make us bad, broken, and wrong and keep us in some shame and mom guilt. And that is exactly the opposite of what is resourceful for your children. Right. We all, we, right. the things I'm going to share with you, we all do. There's not a person in the entire universe that doesn't do these things. And um, so knowing that we all do these, the idea is that these shouldn't be the only tools in our tool belt. These are the ones that innately come to most of us. We're going, so when we have the awareness to choose something new, that's what we do. Knowing that we're still going to choose the other things, the other things that aren't actually helpful. So here they are. Number one, we try to fix it, right? Like they're afraid of the dark. So we turn on the light. They don't want to go on the field trip. So we sign up to be, you know, like we make, we let them not go. They don't want to, uh, this is too scary. We, right. We, we just like basically t- we fix right. it for them. And what this does, the reason why that actually puts more like throws gasoline on the fire instead of putting the fire out is because it confirms that the fear that they had is bad, broken or dangerous. Like it basically says, Oh, you're right to be scared of that thing. Like, it's not okay to be scared. It's not okay to like, Oh, you turn on the, on the light. There must, it must be actually horrible to be in the dark. That doesn't mean we don't put a nightlight on, but we're, you know what I'm talking about. There's a difference between um, uh, helping them be resourceful in what they need and just fixing it for them. Um, Number two, we invalidate their fears, right? We go, oh, that's not scary. It's silly, right? Like, you know, they're watching, you know, the, uh, well, I remember like Little Mermaid, right? And like Ursula could have been scary Mm -hmm. to one of your kids. Be like, oh, that's, no, look, she's not scary. It's kind of funny. Look at her, right? We do it because we want to like alleviate their fear. But what it does is it actually confirms that they can't trust themselves and therefore they're unsafe. Like, oh no, even my assessment of the situation is off. I really, I'm really not safe. Even though it comes from like, it comes from a good place. It's just not helpful. Right, Um, right, right. The third one, we try to remove the anxiety trigger. It's a slightly different from fixing it, um, but we just remove the trigger altogether. Like, uh, she's afraid of a dog, afraid of dog. Okay. We'll get rid of our dog. Right. It's, it's not, it's not even, or like, you you know, like fixing it would look like, um, coming in and, you know, you're going to a friend's house, they have a dog, she's afraid of the dog and you go like, Oh, would you put the dog out? Right. Uh, like, so does that make sense? There's, there's a slight difference between fixing it and removing the trigger all together because that confirms also that they were in danger. Like, why would mom remove something if it's not actually dangerous versus like, oh, you're scared of that thing. That makes sense that you're, you're scared of that thing. It's okay to be scared. Yes. You're validating them and you're helping them work through it. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
The other thing we do, and this one is not all bad. I want you to think all these tools are not all bad. Sometimes they're really useful. This one especially is useful, but if it is your go-to, it's dangerous. It is to distract, right? Teaching our kids to numb. Oh, I've done that before. Yeah. So like we teach them to numb on cheap dopamine hits like video games or sugary snacks or, uh, you know, we basically we we teach them to do what we do as adults, which is we're stressed. What do we do? We grab our phone. We're, we're stressed. What do we do? We buy something. We're stressed. We're, and we teach our children to do that when we distract them on a constant basis. Now, sometimes distraction is a good coping skill, right? Like there are times that distraction is actually fits the bill perfectly. Like my daughter, terrified of needles to the point where like she had had her blood drawn. She fully had a seizure because she was that afraid. and. She was on a medication for her acne a million years ago, and we had to go back for monthly blood tests. Well, distraction was actually a really great coping skill that we used. Like I brought an ice pack for the back of her neck. I brought a juice box for her to sip on. I put on my phone and she put on earphones and she watched an app or I would talk to her and I would ask her questions. And I Mm -hmm. distracted her from what was going on because I couldn't remove the trigger. She had to have, you know, the blood drawn. Um, And it worked, you know, over the period of time where she was still having to deal with the actual trigger, she actually grew in her resilience to where now she can like no problem shots. Yeah. Any of that stuff does not bother her, but for that's that so distraction cool. was great. But if it's distraction, like, um, you know, every night I have to put on the TV for my child to fall asleep. That's a super dangerous place to go. Right. Because they're not actually learning how to, that fear is okay. And fear is a human emotion. Mm-hmm. So if we if we're really uncomfortable with fear, um, how that plays out in adulthood is I'm going to always be choosing the path of least resistance, and that amounts to a pretty small life, because anything yes. worth having is going to require you to be to face a very human core emotion of fear. Yes. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. I love. There's that. one. There's one I- more. <laughs> Oh, tell me, tell me. I was just going to say, I love that you're like giving them tools to work through it instead of taking it away. I love that. Yeah. So like the, uh, the fifth is we offer too much support or too much challenge. And sometimes we go from one, so to picture like a teeter totter, sometimes we go, we're all support and no challenge. And sometimes we're all challenge and no support. And really the sweet spot is in the middle support with challenge. Right. So like the example of the, she had to get her blood drawn, right? That's challenge for her. I gave her the support. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, you know, sometimes we go like, uh, well, here's an example of where I gave my son way too much challenge and not enough support. My, ch- my son with the anxiety, uh, we sent him to camp when he was in fifth grade and we thought like, this will be really good for him. Like, and really he had no business going for him and his mm-hmm. personality, like where he was emotionally. And, and it was, all, all challenged. There was no support that it wasn't like a support and challenge for him for this particular child would have been if I had gone with him or had my husband go and he could have been one of the, like, it would have been enough stretching for him without breaking him. Now, another child, mm-hmm. like I send my other kids all day long, but that specific child, I know what the, the limit of, we want to stretch like a rubber band. We want to stretch him without breaking them. And often we, mm-hmm. we give no stretch and they don't grow. Or yep. we offer so much stretching that they just, they crumble under the pressure. So we want to give them yes. the combo. I see a lot of parents doing a lot of no support or a lot of challenge, right? And really the, and 
with anything, any growth, we need one foot in the chaos of the challenge and one foot in the order of support. We need both. I love to be both feet in either of them is really just like a recipe for more of the same. Yes. And it's so hard to know that balance. I feel like as you practice, you'll kind of, you'll get it. Like sometimes I don't challenge Jameson because it's such a fight and it's so much work on Mm -hmm. my end, but I know he needs to. So I like lately I'm like, no, like he has to do the dishes, like help him figure this out instead of me just doing it on my own, you know, cause it's going to help him in the long run. So yeah, that is a very delicate balance. Yes. And if you can give yourself a ton of grace because you're navigating Mm -hmm. your own emotions about his emotions. And that is really our full-time job is actually to, to be stewarding our own emotions. And because what happens is that when our child is suffering, generally speaking, we start to suffer, right? Like it's, it is yes. torture to watch your child be in emotional or any sort of pain, but emotional pain is, is what we're talking about here. And it is the amount of shame and guilt and this perfectionist in me that thinks I could somehow cure my son's anxiety, like all of that gets triggered. You know, like the bad Mm -hmm. mom thing gets triggered. The I'm doing it the wrong way thing gets triggered. And if I could just get my act together, right? None of that is actually supportive of ourselves and our experiences going on or in, in our child. And so that's actually something that I cover in the course is half the course is actually for mom because there is nothing in my book. There are a few things harder than, than parenting a child who has extra needs. It's so hard (laughs) and it's hard hard to keep your cool. Like I told that, I tell Adam, like, I feel, I do. I feel like a bad mom sometimes because I lose the empathy when it's like the fifth meltdown that day. And I'm just like, enough. Like in my mind, I'm like, dude, toughen up, come on. Like, you know, you're trying to, you know, take them to and fro and he's having a meltdown and you're just like, I don't have time for this. Yeah, <laughs> Like it's really hard. Like if I'm being honest, those are the thoughts that go through my mind towards the end of the day. Or like, you know, sometimes I know I've talked about this with my friends at the end of the day, you are so drained. And when they're like, can I have another back tickle? Can I have another? You're like, Oh my gosh, please just go to bed. I'm so tired. So it does, it takes all of you. And I think like giving yourself grace, because I know at least for me, like I have lost it so many times and I'm not proud of that. You know, like it does happen. Well, that's very human. Welcome to being uh, a mom. or Yeah, you just get drained sometimes. So because think about they're at the end of them and you're at the end of you. It's not a real great equation. No. And so <laughs> being able to uh, navigate your own emotions in that moment and to really like offer yourself a whole lot of grace and compassion is the only thing that's resourceful, right? Beating ourselves mm-hmm. up. Uh, we think it's going to make us better <laughs> when really right. it just makes us shamed. And so just like giving yourself grace that you are human and you have human emotions and they are human and they are having their emotions. Their job is to experience their emotions. Your job is to experience your emotions. Often we confuse yep. it and we try to experience our child's emotions. Yes. And that is, yes. and when we can separate and go, it's okay that they are feeling X, Y, and Z, that's their experience. And I can 
lovingly detach and I can actually soothe myself for a moment before I do anything with them. I can let them roll around on the ground and have their grand fit. And if I need to walk away for a moment and soothe myself, that's exactly what I need to do. Like, because we're also showing them our humanness and how we navigate big emotions or even saying like, after we screaming a fit and be like, oh my gosh, I really just lost it. I was having some big emotions. I know you know what that's like. And I was having a hard time having self-control. It, see, I'm a mommy and it doesn't it, yes. it doesn't change. You're always going to have these big emotions and that's okay. We don't always handle them the way that we would like to, but they're it's part of life. It's okay. I like giving them like permission that. to have, like, have yes. those big emotions because think about it. They're scared of their emotions. And also, uh, I think innately children somehow believe it's wrong to be scared because it's so uncomfortable. And then they're afraid of being afraid, which increases their anxiety. So just being able to say, like, there's nothing wrong with being afraid. You're perfectly safe mm-hmm. to be afraid. It's like mm-hmm. being afraid of the dark, going to going to sleep afraid is okay. Going to mm-hmm. like just like you can go to bed happy, it's okay. You can go to bed with any of those emotions, it's okay. Like just like us, we can go to bed feeling afraid and we're okay. It's not mm-hmm. enjoyable, but part right. of it is just like taking away the pressure that we somehow there's right. something wrong with experiencing heavy emotions instead of being like, right. Those heavy emotions are just communicating something to me. That's it. Right. I love taking away that shame for both of us. You know, Absolutely. I'm like the other night Mila was like screaming in my face and I'm like, stop screaming at me. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm screaming at her to stop screaming at me. <laughs> you know? And then I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You know, like you just do things and you're like, why did I just do that? I'm just tired. I don't know. I still love you. So I love that you do things for the mom as well, because that it is very, very hard. And I think just having that support would be just invaluable. So tell us when does this course actually launch for people who are interested? Yes. So you can look for it in the uh, beginning of August. It should be available then, which is right around the corner. Yay. Well, I'm going to link your um, pot or your uh, course in the podcast show notes. And then awesome. can you also tell them where to find your Instagram as well? Because you give out so many valuable lessons on there as well. Yes. So I am the uh, at unstuckologist on Instagram and you can find me at my website at jamiegordonlifecoaching.com. Perfect. And I'll link all of those in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for coming on, Jamie. I think you've helped. I know you've helped me a lot. So I know you probably helped a lot of other parents who are struggling with this as well. And just to feel more empowered and that there is a plan and there's some support out there and other moms know what you're going through. So I love what you're doing. I just am very grateful. So thank you. Um, Well, thank you for having me. All right. I'll talk to you later. Thank you for joining us in today's episode. If you liked the content and want to hear more, remember to hit that subscribe button and write a review. As a small business owner, I appreciate it more than you know. If you are looking for a program to help with self-confidence, to lose weight, get in shape, and work on your mental, physical, and emotional health, check out my training programs on www.bodybybree.com. My team and I help to hold you accountable through the Body by Brie app, where you log in to see all your workouts, custom meal plan made specifically for you and your needs, and communication through the messenger. You are never alone when you're on the Body by Brie training program. Click the link in the show notes to get more information on how to transform your life from the inside out.